Mark chapter 4, and I want to talk to you about your responsibility as a disciple. Your responsibility as a disciple. In verse number 21 of chapter number 4 of the book of Mark, Jesus speaking, and he saith unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel, a bushel or under a bed, and not be set on the candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall be, not be manifest, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, what, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. In verse number 26, Jesus continued to speak, said this, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that full uh, corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. The apostles received quite a blessing. If you really think about what the Lord did when he called them, to follow him. They received, what a blessing they received, to follow Christ. They were able to see him work. They were able to see him do miracles. They spent some three and a half or so years every day with our Lord. They saw him deal with people. They saw him bless those that need to be blessed. They saw him heal those that need to be healed. They saw him fight with the Pharisees and the scribes. They, they got to see an intimate side of Christ, have an intimate relationship with Christ. They were not just called to be disciples. These were the apostles. And they, like us, became ambassadors. The moment we got saved, we became an ambassador for Christ. And our responsibility ought to be to be an ambassador for heaven. We point people to what heaven is like. We point people to what a relationship with Jesus Christ is like. And they were realizing that this, with great opportunity, comes great responsibility. Let me say that again. With great opportunity comes great responsibility. Great opportunity, great responsibility. And I want to talk to you today about the responsibility of the disciples. Father, would you help us today? Holy Spirit of God, we need your help. We need your leading. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in this service like you did in the first service. Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. Lord, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak, work in hearts. Lord, we'll talk about a serious subject matter here today, but it's our responsibility. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that is not saved, and I pray today that you'd save them. I pray they'd get it settled. I pray they'd be gloriously saved today. And Lord, those that are saved, I pray they would see they have a great responsibility. And I pray that they'd live up to that responsibility. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In Christ's parable of the sower, the truth was likened to a seed. And I want you to see in Romans 10, 17, the Bible says this, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Christ opens up, he 
begins with our hearts are open that we receive the truth of the gospel. And then, according to Romans 10, 17, faith only comes by hearing. And so somebody then needs to give the truth so someone can hear the truth. And then when someone hears the truth and hearing by the word of God, someone must hear how to be saved. And so we find here the responsibilities. And Christ begins, he begins with this parable, this parable of the sower. You know, in order for an unbeliever to receive the seed of truth, somebody, somebody must first take that truth and give that truth. The Bible says in James 2.26, for, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, there's much confusion about the book of James. There's some that look at the book of James and they believe this, that James is saying this, in order to be saved, you have to work. James isn't saying that you have to work for your salvation. Jesus Christ did on the work on the cross. He died for our sins. He bore our sins on the cross. He shed his blood. His blood was sufficient payment for our sins. And he rose from the dead, giving us everlasting life. A person cannot work for their salvation. If there is any other way for a person to be saved outside of what the finished work of the cross, then Jesus would not have had to come. But Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so you can't do enough good to be saved. And James isn't speaking about working for your salvation. What James is saying is this, now that you're saved, you should want to have a desire to work for the Lord, to do something for the Lord. Evidence of the fact that you're saved because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross should be seen in how you live. There should be something very, very different about a person that's saved. Would you agree with that? I want you to see, I want you to write this down in your heart if you would, please. The first responsibility that I see here of every Christian is this, a responsibility to shine. A responsibility to shine. The Bible tells us this in verse number 21 and verse number 22, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on the candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifest, neither was anything kept secret but that should be abroad. Listen, what he's saying is this. He's asking this question, and Jesus knows the answer. He's trying to get the uh, disciples to understand that they are to be a light. He's not necessarily speaking about a candle. He doesn't care about the physical candle. What he's trying to get them to understand is this. You are that light. The world sits in darkness, and the world needs light of the gospel. And you are the one to give that gospel. You are the one to shine. He says you don't take the light and you put the light underneath of the bed, or you don't put the light underneath of a bushel. No, you put the light on a candlestick, and that candlestick with that light upon it allows all the room to be filled with light. And what he's simply saying to his disciples as well is he's saying that every single disciple, every single person of Christ, their responsibility is to shine like this candlestick. My daughter, I won't tell you who it is. I'll just tell you that she's going to be seven at the end of this month. She likes these drinks, these carbonated drinks, these things in the can and She'll, she'll ask often. Most of the time, she'll ask, and Michelle will say, no, you can't have one. My kids have learned not to ask mom for things because no, normally they ask me, and I say yes. 
Many times I say, yes, Michelle will say, did you just hear what you said yes to? I said, no, I really wasn't paying attention. Was it not good? And they says, the kid, you just told them they could play on the roof. And I said, okay, no, I don't think that's a good idea. So she gets to the place where she knows if I ask mom, she's gonna say no. If I ask dad, it's a yes guaranteed every time. We're walking out the door, and I remember her saying, Dad, could I have one of these? And I said, yes. And, and uh, so she took one of these carbonated cans, and she brought it into my truck. And I said to her, I said, I don't want you opening it in my truck. Oh, no, Dad, I wouldn't do such a thing. Well, thank you. So she set it in the cup holder in the back of my truck in the middle of the seats. And so what she didn't do is she didn't take it out of my truck either. And, and so how many of you know the last couple weeks it's been really cold outside? It's been colder outside than in your freezer. Well, she left that can in my truck, and I didn't know it. One of my girls got in a few days ago and said, oh, what is this? And I looked behind me, and there was this can exploded in my truck. The top was popped out. But I said, did it get anywhere? Oh, no, Dad, it's fine. It just it was frozen when it exploded. And so it just popped the can. I said, okay, well, great. I'm glad it didn't get all over the truck. So I said, throw that out when you get out of the truck. They threw it out. I was with my girls yesterday, and we were driving, and I don't know what caused me to turn around and look up, but I turned around. They were with me in the back. I turned around. I looked at my ceiling of my truck. It's red. It was gray when I got the truck. It's red now. I mean, the whole top of the truck was red. It started in my toes. It got up to my knees. And by the time it got up to my head, I was mad. Have you ever been mad before? I mean, mad. And they knew it. Well, the crying began. The whole way home, I am just ripping into them. This is why I tell you not to, you can treat your rooms this way, but I don't want you to treat my things this way. And I'm calling them irresponsible. I mean, I just gave them the ride act the whole way home. And it just so happened my wife and I pulled up in the driveway at the same time. And she pulls up. She could tell the look on my face. They're all crying. She looks at me and says, what happened? I said, my truck. I couldn't even speak. I said, my truck. Go look at my truck. And she says, I already know. I said, you what? She says, I saw it in there this morning. I was going to clean it up before you found out because I knew you'd behave that way. My girls go in crying. and You ever get that look from your spouse like, what is wrong with you? And I said, the truck. She says, exactly, it's a truck. Those are your daughter's. Oh, I had to leave. Um, I was already late for my next appointment. I left. And those words just on my mind, it's a truck. Those are your daughters. I got home, it was about nine o'clock or so when I got home last evening, they were upstairs and I called them down. They thought it was round two. They're coming down the steps, they're already starting to cry. <laughs> I said, I want you to sit down. They sat down on the couch, and I looked at them, and I said this. I said, I'm sorry. Dad acted angry. Dad acted foolish. It's just a truck. And you girls are more important to me, and I want to respect you more than I did. 
I'm sorry. You know, I think about this verse, let your light shine, and I think about this opportunity. You know, this is not just letting it shine, Christian, for everyone else, but I believe this, it's also letting it shine in our own families as well. You know what I realized this? What I did and how I behaved and how angry I got over something so silly. It's not worth ruining my testimony over in front of my children. Because my light is supposed to shine at home just like it is supposed to shine in the community as well. You know, and, and I believe this, at times we get through, get into things, situations like this in life, and we forget that our responsibility is to shine every single place we go. I want my neighbors, I want my neighbors to see the joy of our salvation, see the joy of living for Christ, and I want them to come to Christ, but at the same time, I don't want to lose my own children. I believe this, we need to shine. We need to shine in our homes. We need to shine in our communities. Everywhere we go, I believe this, that every single one of us, our responsibility of Christ is to shine so that how we behave and how we live and how we deal with things, whether it's in our home or our community, whether it's at work, everything we do, we ought to shine so God himself receives glory from every single thing we do. I would ask us this question today, and I asked myself yesterday, how am I doing with my responsibility to shine? In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every single action we do ought to bring someone to the place where our heavenly Father receives glory. How we handle conflict and how we handle problems and how we handle discouragement and how we handle suffering and how we handle disappointment, all of that ought to bring us to the place where how we handle it, we shine and others are glorified, Jesus is glorified and others see that by how we shine in our life. In every area of our life, Christian, I believe that we ought to ask the Lord to allow us to shine. You know, this past year is over, and as we look into a new year, you know, we can't make uh, changes in our past. We can't go back and change decisions. I can't go back and say and change my anger. I can't go back and change my frustration. I can't go back and, and change how I dealt with that, but I can sit my girls down and say this, you know, I'm sorry, and dad failed, and dad's gonna do better, and I apologize, and I love you, and you don't deserve to be treated that way. I can be sure that my decisions going forward that I shine that the gospel is seen in me you know sometimes we make excuses if we're not careful and we can justify our behavior that isn't Christ-like but in every area of our life we are supposed to shine we've been called to shine I want you to write this down as well if you would please number two in verse number 23 the Bible says this if any man have ears to hear let him hear I believe that would be every single person every single person that can hear today hear what he's saying is this don't let it just go in one ear and out the other let it bounce around a little bit in there let it digest what you're hearing listen to it apply it to your life make changes with what he's about ready to say he said this in verse number 24, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you and unto you that shall hear shall more be given. How many of you would say this? I want more from God this year. I do. I want, to, I want more from his word. 
But he said this, those that you're going to get out of it, what he's saying pretty much is what you put into it. And I want you to write this down. Number two, not only do we have a responsibility to shine, we have a responsibility to study. Christians, I would say this. In our culture today, many Christians are getting very lazy in their study. Coming to church and just getting what you get at church is not enough for you to feed off of for an entire week. We're producing anemic Christians that just come and, 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 and get the, well, a message or two a week and then they think that's enough. No, we as Christians, our responsibility is to get into the Word of God and study the Word of God and know why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, why we stand on why, what we stand. It isn't enough. Well, that's what the preacher said at church and that's why I, I live that way. Or I, I, uh, somebody, a preacher, my favorite preacher on TV said that and that's why I believe it. No, you ought to believe it because of the word of God says it, not because man said it. There's a responsibility for every single believer to study. Jesus instructed his apostles to take heed, he said, what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. That word, those words, take heed, we need to consider. We need to consider what we've heard Listen, I challenge you every single week what you hear from this pulpit. You ought to go home and study it through. Don't just believe it because I said it. Believe it because God's word says it. I challenge you to get into God's word and study God's word. Take heed to what the Bible says. Take heed also, it gives us this idea of a studious approach, a study to the teaching we receive. Paul said this to the church at Thessalonica, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. He said, prove all things. Everything you hear, you ought to go back to the word of God and be able to find it. You know, so much, so much. I spoke to a, a woman this last week that grew up in religion and she said a lot of things that I was told to do, I don't even find it in the Bible anywhere. My father-in-law grew up in religion, and he says this, uh, uh, what he grew up doing. He said, I don't find it in the Bible anywhere. He said, I'd go to, I'd, I'd live my life, a wicked life, all week long, and I'd go and I'd confess in front of a man, and, and then I'd go back and I'd live all week long the way I used to live. Nothing would change my life. And he says, I don't even see that in the Bible anywhere. And so much of religion, so much of, 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 of religion that man has made is man-made, and we don't find it in the Bible. Listen to me, religion doesn't satisfy. Religion doesn't save. Religion won't get you to heaven. The Bible, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the truth of the word of God is what we need to find. Listen, don't listen to somebody that says this is what I believe and this is what I feel. Listen to those that go to the word of God, preach from the word of God, teach from the word of God, and you can go back and find it yourself in the word of God. Listen, I don't think that we ought to be settled with just because I heard it, it must be true. I believe we ought to prove it. And Paul shows us that there to this church. He says, prove all things. Pastors and church leaders have a responsibility to teach. The Bible says in Acts 20, 27, all the counsel of God. But the church member, the Christian, also has a responsibility, the Bible says, to rightly divide the word of truth. 
Listen, every single person here in this room, you can know the word of God. You just have to take a responsibility to study. I'd encourage you this year, 2018, to get into the word of God deeper than you ever have before. I encourage you to read it every day. I encourage you to get into Bible studies. I encourage you to grow. I encourage you to know, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. The Bible tells us this. Paul is speaking of the church of Berea. He said this, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And he said this, they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. In Acts chapter number 17, he was commending this church at Berea. What he was saying is this, you attentively listened to the word of God. You listened to what was being preached. You listened to what was being taught. And I, I commend you for that. But I also commend you even greater that you took what you heard, you took what was preached, and you went back to the word of God to prove it, to be sure what was being said was biblical. You know, there's a lot of things that are being said in churches today that are very unbiblical. And the reason why people are falling for it is because they don't know the word of God. A Bible preacher always encourages people to get back into the book rather than just blindly listen and hear what I say. I encourage you today to get into the book Get into studying. Get into the word of God. I heard one person say this, and I dealt with not long ago, they said this, the Old Testament, I heard that the Old Testament isn't for us as New Testament believers so that we don't have to study it. We don't have to read it. And a matter of fact, I don't want to hear preaching from it because it doesn't apply to us today. I said, where'd you hear that garbage at? So-and-so preacher. I said, well, so-and-so preacher doesn't know the Bible. And he said, what do you mean? I said, the Bible says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I said, it doesn't say just Paul's epistles. It doesn't just say the things in the Bible you like. It says all scripture. In the book you hold in your hand, all 66 books is all scripture. And I said, if you'd just open your Bible and study your Bible, you'd find that what that preacher is saying isn't true. They just looked at me, and I'll tell you, time after time, somebody might pick up something, and they read it, and they fall into this, and I'll say, show me in the Bible where it says that. Listen, you go back to the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Paul said this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. He says this, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Peter wrote that in 1 Peter 3.15. So we find this, that our responsibility is to study the word of God so that we can give an answer to why we believe what we believe. It's great joy for a Christian to get in the word of God and then be asked why you stand for something and then be able to go back to the word of God and say this, I stand for it because of this. I like to read and I like to study a lot of things from Ken Ham. How many of you know who Ken Ham is? I think he's put some remarkable things out. What I love about him is everything he believes goes back to the Word of God. You don't find him as well, I believe this because this makes sense. He always goes back to the Word of God. Well, I believe it because the Word of God says it, and it says it right here. 
And that's exactly what we as Christians this year, going into this new year, I challenge you as Bible believers to get into the Bible and believe it because the Bible says it and be able to show somebody what the Bible says. Listen, your words, your opinion, your what, how you feel, your emotions, your decisions on a matter, none of that really matters. What matters is the word of God and we ought to be a voice crying like those prophets and those in the New Testament and those, those that uh, disciples crying and giving people hope, not because of what they've said, but thus saith the Lord in showing people in the word of God why we believe what we believe. Do you know why you believe what you believe? I challenge us this year not only to take the responsibility to shine, I challenge us this year to take the responsibility to study, to get into the word of God, to grow. Jesus makes an interesting point in verse number 25. He says this, For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. In other words, what he's saying is this, those who receive the truth will inevitably learn and receive more. And those that don't receive it is going to lose out altogether. The Christian that will get into the word of God is going to learn more. The Christian that will take the word of God and study it thoroughly through and apply it to their life, they're going to learn more. And the Christian that refuses to study, you're going to lose out. I encourage you this year, get into a Bible study. I encourage you this year to get into the Word of God. I encourage you this year, if you've never read through the Bible an entire year, then read through the Bible an entire year. I encourage you, if you've read through the Bible, then get into deeper studies in specific books. Whatever it is, I encourage you, though, church, do something deeper. Get grounded further in God's Word. Don't just depend upon what you hear when you come to this church, but get into your, your prayer closet. Get into your devotional. Get into your Bible and learn more from God's Word this year than you've ever learned before. An old uh, author from the 1800s wrote this, above the, about this principle. He said, this is a principle which we find continually brought forward in Scripture. All that believers have is undoubtedly of grace. The repentance, faith, and holiness are all gifts of God. But the degree in which a believer attains in grace is always set before us as closely connected with his own hard work in the use of means of grace and his own faithfulness in living fully up to the light and knowledge which he possesses. Laziness is always discouraged in God's word. Christian, don't be lazy in studying God's word. When it comes to the study of God's word, we get out of it what we put into it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually, they are spiritually dis, uh, discerned. Listen, what, we're, what we find is this. An unsaved person, they're not going to get in the Word of God and get out of the Word of God. What a saved person is going to get out of the Word of God. And if you are a child of God, then I encourage you to get into the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to feed you, allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister to you, Allow the word of God to speak to you. The only way that you're going to find God's will for your life, the only way you're going to find God's direction for your life, the only way that you're going to fulfill what God desires for you to be is for you to get into the word of God and study the word of God. 
I would encourage you this year, maybe you're not a part of an adult Bible study class, I'd encourage you to get involved in an adult Bible study class. Our men meet on Tuesdays. I encourage you to get involved. They're getting ready to go through the book of Romans. What a great book that is. Get into the word of God and study the word of God. Our ladies will have, uh, uh, I believe it is beginning in March, they'll have a a Bible study, a seven-week Bible study. I encourage you to get involved in that Bible study. Moments will begin. I encourage you ladies to get involved, young moms, in that Bible study. I I encourage you to get into church Wednesday evening and get into the Word of God. Wednesday evenings, Bible study, get in the Word of God. Make studying the Bible a priority in your life. But it takes hard work. We need to ask the Lord to help us. I want you to write this down as well. Not only do we have a responsibility to shine, we have a responsibility as well to study. We also have a responsibility to serve. The Bible says in verse number 26, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, not the full corn in the ear. And then he says in verse number 29, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put a sickle. He putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. The truths that are revealed through God's word, they save us, they change us, but its truth is not intended to find a stopping place in us. You're saved. You're a child of God. But it doesn't stop there, Christian. God desires for us to serve. Are you serving? Here we find in this passage of Scripture the challenge with the sickle I told our church this a couple Sunday nights ago, and I want to just repeat it here today. Because the more I think about it, the more I see this is the reaction and the action that we as Christians ought to have. My son is a a cadet here at the Monclova Fire Department. And he'll get a call, and he'll have to rush to the fire station, and it could be an accident, it could be a fire, whatever it may be. And sometimes, I notice, sometimes the trucks will go by and no lights, no sirens. Other times, boy, they're speeding by. I mean, fast, lights and sirens. And And I asked him, I said, so what's the difference? He said, well, one's a code two and one's a code three. And I said, what's the difference? He's like, Dad, one is a code two, one is a code three. I said, what's the difference? He said, it's slower, Dad. Listen, I said, son, you're not understanding what I'm asking. What, what dictates a code two and a code three? He's like, oh, well, why don't you just tell me, Dad? I said, all right. He said, a code two, Dad, is this. It's not life-threatening. They need help, but it's not life-threatening, and so they're not going to speed to a place where it's not life-threatening and put their lives in jeopardy trying to get there. And so they stop at stop signs, they stop at red lights, and they don't speed, they don't put lights on, they just get there. I said, what's code three then? 
He's code three is somebody's unresponsive. It's life-threatening. If they don't get there quick, somebody's gonna die. I said, tell me about that. 60 seconds to get out of the station. 60 seconds from wherever you're at to get your, your, your suited up, get on a truck. The doors open, and when the doors open, the lights go on, and you are speeding out of that station. You're not stopping at stoplights. You're not stopping at stop signs. Nothing is stopping you. Lights are on. And I said, so it all depends upon the emergency if somebody's in need. He says, Dad, that's exactly right. Now, this is a cadet. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but this is what he's telling me. I thought, boy, that is wonderful. And that's exactly how Christians ought to respond when it comes to serving. What we're doing is life or death. It's heaven or hell. People are dying and going out in eternity. Every snap of the finger, someone's walking out in eternity. And as we sit here, some three billion people on our planet still have never heard Jesus Christ. They're dying without hope. We have an opportunity here to serve. The Bible says in Revelation 14, 14, and I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud, a white cloud sat, like under the, sat one like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a, a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust his, in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Revelation 14, you know the Bible tells us that one day this is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come. One day it's going to be too late. One day we won't have an opportunity to, to witness. One day there's coming a day where we don't have an opportunity to shine any longer. We won't have an opportunity to serve. Jesus Christ is coming again one day. This past summer I preached a whole series on the second coming of Christ. And I can't wait for the day that Jesus Christ comes again. But we must realize this that there is work to do until he comes. One day that final sickle is going to come, but between that time and this, we have harvest of our own that must begin. We have souls that need to be saved. The Bible says in John 4, 35, Say not ye, there are but four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Listen, we have put off soul winning long enough. Let's get serious about souls being saved. We've put off letting our light shine in our community long enough let's let's put that into action this year i'm saying this that if it's right and the bible says to do it let's not take time any longer saying don't worry we've got time no jesus christ at any moment can come and we want to be found faithful when he comes this world needs the gospel. This world needs hope. This world needs Jesus Christ. And it's not time for us to say, maybe in a little bit, I'm going to serve the Lord. Maybe in a little bit, I'm going to teach that Sunday school class. Maybe in a little bit, if I get enough courage, I'll, come, I'll sing. Maybe in a little bit, I'll join the church. Maybe in a little bit, I'll get baptized. Maybe in a little bit, I'll tell my coworkers about Jesus. Maybe in a little bit, I'll be the husband I'm supposed to be. Maybe in a little bit, I'll be the mom I'm supposed to be, the wife I'm supposed to be. Young 
young person. Maybe in a little bit, I'll be the teenager that God desires for me to be. No, it's time now to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's time now to say, Jesus is going to come soon. And I want to serve, and I want to be found faithful. So when he comes, I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's not put off any longer. Let's not play church any longer. Let's not keep our sin hidden any longer. Let's not say, I'll get right with God in a little bit. No, let's just determine today that I'm going to serve the Lord while there is time. I want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one prayer that Jesus preached Matthew, or, 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 or asked. He said in Matthew 9, 38, one prayer he asked. He said this, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. You know what Jesus' prayer was? For laborers. Listen, the jails and the prison, they need preachers. I had someone else just email me a couple weeks ago. Another nursing home, another assisted living, there's an opportunity for us to go in and minister. They're building a Huge, huge place over there by the Waterville Kroger. And Pastor Oscar was in there and he was talking to the lady there and he said, you probably have all kinds of churches asking about Bible studies once you get going. He said, um, but I'd like to just, you know, put our church's name in there. And she said, you're the first. You're the first. Talked to someone just this past week, and they said, I shared the gospel with someone here in our community, and they said this, I never heard that before. This is not some foreign country. It's our community. There are families today in our community that are, getting, that are being raised, and there's no, there's no thought of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did for them. It's not being talked about in schools. It's not being talked about in homes. We're raising generations today that believe that they are, come from monkeys. They believe that they come from evolution. They've never been taught that Jesus Christ came to the earth and died for their sins. Church, let's not sit quiet anymore. Let's not sit quiet anymore. Let's rise up here like an army of soldiers, ambassadors for Christ, and say, I'm going to take the truth and I'm going to serve this community. Drug epidemic is running rampant in our country. They said this, they can't, in some, in some cities in our own country, the, the paramedics can't get to the ones that have overdosed fast enough because they're dealing with one currently then, and they can't stop dealing with the one to get to the other. There's no time. That's not some faraway country. That's ours. Almost 60 million babies have been murdered. That's not some faraway country. That's ours. We can do something. We can serve. If we make it a priority. Our responsibility, Christian, is to shine. Our responsibility is to study. 
And our responsibility is to serve. Let me ask you this question in closing. How you doing, disciple, on your responsibilities? Jesus is coming soon. If God's gifted you to teach and you're not teaching, get teaching. If God gifted you to sing and you're not singing, get singing. If God gifted you to preach, then get preaching. If God gifted you with talents, then use your talents for his glory. Don't take it and put it underneath of a bushel any longer. You know, I find the most miserable Christians are the, most, are the ones that are hiding the talents that God's blessed them to use. The most joyous Christians are the ones that are serving Christ. What are you doing with your responsibility?